0: You know, I, I set out to do a different message for tonight, and I was praying this morning, and I got a thought, and I got an idea, and I started to read it and pray over it, and this all came out of it, so I've just finished it, it's fresh out of the oven, and I think it's for uh, yourselves tonight, and Ezekiel chapter 1, let's look at it please. I'm just going to read the first three verses, but keep your Bible open. Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 1. Now it came to pass in the 30th year, in the 4th month, in the 5th day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Chebar, that the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. In the fifth day of the month, which was the fifth year of King Jehoiachin's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans, by the river Chebar, and the hand of the Lord was there upon him. Father, just Bring all things to my remembrance, that which you gave me today. And from that which I've even written down to, Lord, spark my memory, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do the job instead. And that, Lord, that you would take over and take charge. Speak to every heart. We thank you, Lord, that you come to where we are. In our frailty and in our inability you come to where we are. So, Father, meet us tonight. Meet us right where we are. And your word, we pray, will find that lodging place in every heart. And your people will be built up. And your church would be edified. And, Lord, your Son would be glorified. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Ezekiel... Notice what it says in verse 1. A couple of little lines. First of all, we see him, it says at the end of verse 1, the heavens were opened. Secondly, in verse 1 it says, and I saw visions of God. Notice, an open heaven, now open vision. Open heaven, open vision. In verse 3 then it says, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest, and then fourthly in the end of that verse it says, and the hand of the Lord was upon him. And the hand of the Lord was upon him. And whenever I read this today, I seen Ezekiel as it were, with the eye of faith, and I asked the Lord to help me. Say, Lord, what was it like? What were you showing us? What would you tell us this evening? What were you showing me even now in my study, Lord? And and this is what the Lord has shown me, and I want to feed you with it tonight, the Lord helping me. There are uh, things that we could say about the sovereignty of God, and we we'll would be here for eternity to try and work out the sovereignty of God. But the providence of God is God providing, God meeting the need, and being ahead of us and before of us in his sovereignty. Listen to Thomas Watson. He was no Puritan on the, so, on the providence of God. He says, there are three things in providence. God's foreknowing, God's determining, and God's directing all things to their periods and events. So in other words, God's providence, sometimes in our life we can't see, understand, or explain, can't grasp or get to grips with why things are in our lives why things are happening for a certain period of time, why certain events have come into our lives. But nevertheless, these things are in the providence of God. God is already in your tomorrow. God is already in the next moment. God is just waiting for you and I to catch up. He's not subject to time. And that's why to us it seems long, but to him a thousand years is like a day in his sight. So think of how long you've been seeking for God. and Think of how long you've been looking for the sovereignty of God to step into your situation, your answer to prayer. It seems so long. It may be days, may be weeks, may be months, may even be years. But nevertheless, what we must understand is even the span of a man and a woman's life isn't even near a day, as it were, In heaven's time clock. God isn't in a hurry. God is in control and God is in charge. And everything that you and I need are planned out before us, even before we get there. So in Ezekiel chapter one here, verses one to three as we have read, it shows to us, and it's to encourage us, it shows to us the providence of God and the sovereignty of God. It shows the omnipotence of God, or that God is all-powerful. It shows us the omnipresence of God, that God is there already, away ahead of us. He's everywhere at once. And it shows us the omniscience of God, that God is all-knowing. Do you know that the things that catch you and I unaware, they don't surprise God? And we run to the Lord as if to say, Lord, do you see what happened? Do you know what I'm going through? Can you understand what I'm thinking? Lord, this has come upon me. Where were you? Yet all along, God has been providing all along, and he's just waiting for you to catch up. He's at all in charge. He's got it all in control. So here, verse 1 tells us that Ezekiel, look where he was. He says in verse 1, I was among the captives by the river Chebar. Notice he's a he's a captive of the house of Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel. There were three captivities that came. And the first one uh, was when the Jews were in Judah. That is the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom's gone. We teach that all the time, so you get these time clocks in your mind. But the first captivity taken into Babylon was from Jehoiakim under King Jehoiakim's reign in Jerusalem and that's when you read of Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego they were in the first captivity so the enemy came the, the armies of Babylon came and they made an incursion in and took the cream of the crop if you want away into Babylon so then they came back in another one there's a bit more of a war battle but they were just defeated and Judah was overtaken again a second time under Jehoiakim's son Jehoiachin <laughs> now there are two different people it's Jehoiachin and that's when Ezekiel's taken away captive so there's already some away before him there's now a second wave taken into Babylon which is Jehoiachin, under King Jehoiachin in Jerusalem king of Judah and then there's a third one that comes and takes over the whole of Jerusalem the rest of Judah under Zedekiah, his reign as the king of Judah. Okay, so there's three main deportments or captivities, if you want, all taken in from the house of Judah away into captivity into Babylon. Zedekiah, if you remember, he was a wicked king. And Zedekiah, the last thing uh, we read of Zedekiah is his sons were killed and he had his eyes burnt out. What an imprint to have in your memory Forever. So, the Lord had told the people, had warned them, look, this is what you need to do. This is whom you need to trust, me, he says. And when the enemy's coming, you trust in me, and I will make sure you're okay. Listen to my word, even if it seems that, uh, th- that Lord, you, you're bringing us into captivity, where you're allowing us to be overrun here. And the Lord saying, you know, the rain will fall and the just and the unjust. That's when our nation you know, people say, why does bad things happen to good people? There only ever was one good person and they crucified him. But at the end of the day, why do bad things happen to seemingly good people as to human level? And that's because the rain will fall on the just and the unjust. That's why on a national level, we need to try and keep the standard of the word in the gospel. <laughs> because if we don't, God's wrath will be poured out upon our nation. If you want to get an idea of how some of the people felt when they're carried away, Psalm 137 gives us a good idea. Psalm 137. And listen to the language of this. By the rivers of Babylon. Here they are in Babylon. They're now carried away captive. And now here's a psalm from Babylon. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there they carried us away captive, required of us a song. And they that wasted us, required of us mirth, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? If I forget the old Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her coming. And if I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof, roof of my mouth. If I prefer not Jerusalem above, notice my chief joy. Remember, O Lord, the children of Edom in the day of Jerusalem, who said, Raise it, raise it even to the foundation thereof. O daughter of Babylon, who art to be destroyed, happy shall he be that rewardeth thee as I hast served us. Happy shall he be that taketh and dasheth thy little ones against the stones. The captives are now at Babylon and they're at the river. And as they're at the river, the trees are all around them. Beautiful, lush and pleasant land there. Uh, Very fertile. They've went across Either they went up around the Fertile Crescent and down or straight across the desert. So by the time they get here, this is a, a pretty lush land. And it's prosperous. It's the great Babylonian empire. And now they're saying, you know, we don't care for the luxuries. Lord, I realize how much I had. And I never realized what I had till I lost it. Isn't that what we're like? You don't realize what you have and the blessings of God upon us and we start to take the things of God for granted until we lose it. And this says, Lord, you know, some, of these, uh, some of these captives had settled down because God had told them how to overcome their captivity. Others had went too far and mingled with the Babylonians and became interbred with them, and started following their gods. In fact, uh, this is where we get the Babylonian Talmud later coming from. But there were those that hankered for the temple, those that hankered for the city of the great king. There are those whose desire, says, as it says in verse 5, or sorry, verse 6, If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy, In other words, Lord, I want to get my priorities right before you. I want to get my relationship with you right. We have strayed. We have went away. But I want to get my priorities right before you. This is how we end up backsliding, Lord. This is how we end up falling away. Whenever we start to take the things of God for granted and not adhering to the things of the Lord and the word of God, and even in that, God's grace and mercy says, here's how you overcome the enemy. we will show you it in a moment. You're going to go into a time of trial and you'll go into a time of, of persecution even maybe. You'll go into a time yourselves, brothers and sisters, in a time when you'll be stressed and strained at things. But you know, God tells us that we overcome in Christ. He says you'll go through things. He never says it was going to be easy, but he says, I'll be with you. And my grace is sufficient for thee. And so here they're saying, Lord, help us to get our priorities right. Do we want your temple? Do we want the the holy city, uh, the city of the great king? Do we want your presence? Do we want your hand in our nation or in our lives? Or, Or would we prefer the lush pastors of Babylon? Because we're going to have to go across desert again to get back into where we were. In other words, there's going to have to be a struggle. There's going to have to be an upward climb, as it were. There's going to have to be effort made. Things will have to be done. We'll have to give ourselves a shake. If you ever release us from this place, Lord, I promise, I promise, I promise. Do you know whenever they were eventually released, only 42,000 came back? A little admixture came later, and around about 49,000 in total are numbered in the Bible. Out of all of them that went, that's all that came many of them stayed and they intermingled with the Babylonians. You know, God can keep you even in your darkest moments. And God will keep you through your hardest trials. And whenever the enemy seems to be having a failed day in your life, God tells you you're an overcomer already. Heed my word and do as I say. Because I'm bringing you through. I'm lifting you up. I'm bringing you out. This gives us an idea, Psalm 137, of how they felt. They hang their harps upon the willows. Here's the musicians. Those who had a song for the Lord now have no song at all. And their song, that time of, of heartfelt worship, has died in them. And I can't understand, Lord, how do we get this back? The enemy's coming and saying, sing to us one of the songs of God now. Oh, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? And, you know, and it is hard that whenever someone falls away, and is even in the world, how can the, 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 those who name the name of Christ as Saviour, how can you sing the Lord's song if you're living in the world and playing with the world and dabbling in the world? You have no song to sing. When Alice and I were only going out, I told you this before, um, and I lived down in Belfast in a, in a flat, And I used to have Bible studies in the house at two in the morning with paramilitaries all sitting around the city. Drug dealers, paramilitaries and prostitutes. In fact, we were only married and all of some came in and still calling to the door and she, was going, <laughs> she didn't know who was coming next. And one of them was doing really well. He made a profession. He was doing really, really well. And after a period of time he started letting things slip and he went into this pub called McIldownies. It's not there anymore. In Tiger's Bay. And so he goes in and he meets a couple of old friends and he thinks, I'm just going to go in to witness to them. And he starts to witness putting brackets to them while he's drinking an orange. Then he finds himself the next time drinking a shandy then he finds himself drinking a pint. And these boys whom he started to try and witness to says to him around the table one time, let me stop you there. I'm not mentioning his name. Let me stop you there. If this Jesus that you speak of is so good, what are you doing here with us? Partaking of ours. He could not read no song to sing. His song was gone. Now, these who had fallen away from pure worship in the temple, who had become idolatrous and, and, a, and spiritual adultery towards Yahweh, and now they're put into Babylon, they've no song to sing. But now they're realizing what they have lost. You now, let us be careful, brethren and sisters. Let us be careful that we don't take for granted how blessed we are In this assembly, anyhow. But how blessed that we are with God's anointing here, meeting after meeting. God's presence, His Spirit. You might say, Is that not happening everywhere? And I'm not saying this because I'm the pastor of the church, but the answer is no, it doesn't. It really doesn't. It's His grace, it's His kindness. It's his goodness to us. Let's guard the anointing of God with all that we have. Let's treasure it. that We don't lose it and somewhere else gets an outpouring and we look and say, oh, if I only have you over my chief joy, that the Lord might say, well, you had me, but you preferred something else for your chief joy. Christ should be our chief joy at every moment, in every meeting, at all times. you know the joy of the Lord is your strength? Here. They're looking for the temple again. And now they're starting to be stirred. Ezekiel chapter 1 and verse 1. Tells us that Ezekiel is by the river Chibor. No Chibor means simply means far off river. <laughs> far off. Far away river. And that's where they are. Far off from their home. Far off from the their worship in their temple, far off from where they once were. Am I speaking to someone who's far off from where you once were with God? So, I want to show you how they were to overcome. I want to show you not only how they were to overcome, but what God says to give them hope that he's bringing them out and through. Turn with me to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah please Jeremiah chapter 28 we'll just skip through some of this and just to give you an idea and I, verse 1 and it came to pass Jeremiah 28 verse 1 and it came to pass the same year in the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah this is the final captivity remember I told you the three of them beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth year, in the fifth month, that Hananiah, the son of Azor, the prophet, which was a Gibeon, spake unto me in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priests, and of all of the people, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two full years, will I bring again into this place all the vessels of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried them into Babylon. And I will bring again to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, with all the captives of Judah that went into Babylon, saith the Lord, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Now notice what he's saying here. Hananiah the, the, the prophet comes and says in two full years the Lord is going to break the enemy's stronghold. He's going to bring all those who have already went captive. Remember the two captivities that went in Judah. He's going to bring them all back and the vessels of the temple that were taken by the enemy. He's going to bring all of that back. So Jeremiah stands up and he's, he's in the house of the Lord and all the priests are there. All the people are there and this is a great declaration that this prophet has made. So when it says, verse 5, then the prophet Jeremiah said unto the prophet Hananiah, in the presence of the priests, in the presence of all the people that stood in the house of the Lord, even the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen. Now listen to this. The Lord do so, the Lord perform thy words, which thou hast prophesied, to bring again the vessels of the Lord's house and all that is carried away captive from Babylon into this place. Now Jeremiah remembers in Jerusalem here at this time still. Nevertheless, hear thou now this word that I speak in thine ears and in the ears of all the people, the prophets that have been before me and before thee of old prophesied both against many countries and against great kingdoms of war and of evil and of pestilence. The prophet which propheseth of peace when the word of the prophet shall come to pass, then shall the prophet be known that the Lord hath truly sent him. So Jeremiah is saying, "Look, if you're prophesying peace of it, so the Lord it'll come, and we'll know you're a prophet." First hand, then Hananiah the prophet took the yoke from the prophet Jeremiah's neck and break it. Now, if you're wondering what the yoke was, you need to go further back into uh, chapter twenty-seven. It is. And Jeremiah makes a yoke to give an explanation. This is the yoke that's coming from Babylon. So this prophet stands up and says, no, no, the yoke's not coming. Two years, listen to me, I'm the prophet. Then suddenly Jeremiah stands up and says, no, 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 you're wrong. Hananiah was prophesying what Zedekiah wanted to hear, not what he needed to hear. He was prophesying what the people wanted to hear, not what they needed to hear. There's a big difference here. There's a big difference. And the prophet, i.e., put it in brackets, who prophesies to you and preaches to you things you want to hear is not always doing you good, but rather most times is doing you harm. Jeremiah is the prophet who's prophesying to them the things they need to hear. And they hate him for it. Now notice this, verse 10. Then Hananiah the prophet took the yoke from off the prophet Jeremiah's neck and break it. And Hananiah spake in the presence of all the people, saying, Thus saith the Lord, even so will I break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from the neck of all nations within the space of two full years. And the prophet Jeremiah went his way. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet. After that Hananiah the prophet had broken the yoke from off the neck of the prophet Jeremiah saying, Go and tell Hananiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Thou hast broken the yokes of wood, but thou shalt make for them yokes of iron. You see that? The Lord says, Now it's going to get worse. You're doing the people no good. Brothers and sisters, you know, Sometimes you might think even at times some of the things that are preached from this pulpit are a bit stern or hard or, or even out there or controversial or whatever. But it's what we need to hear, not what we want to hear. It's what the nation needs to hear, not what the nation wants to hear. When we're evangelizing, it's what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. Verse 14, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have put a yoke of iron upon the neck of all these nations that they may serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and they shall serve him, and I have given him the beast of the field also. Then saith the prophet Jeremiah to Hananiah the prophet, Hear now, Hananiah, the Lord hath not sent thee, but thou makest this people to trust in a lie. Therefore thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will cast from off the face I will cast thee from off the face of the earth this year thou shalt die because I hast taught rebellion against the Lord. So Hananiah the prophet died the same year in the seventh month. There's a lot of there 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 is in churches today, isn't there? And the Holy Ghost Gentle Jesus, meek and mild, rub your back for you. There you are, live how you like, sure, you're okay. The Lord here is the same when Honest and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5 came, do you remember? And they lied unto the Holy Ghost. And Peter spoke to them and says, whilst I lied to the Holy Ghost. And the both of them dropped dead. Here the Lord is the same yesterday and today and forever. Now, we know he's a God of love. We know he's a God of grace. But he's a God of holiness. Look at verse chapter 29. Now, these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the residue of the elders, which were carried away captives and to the priests, and to the prophets, and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. After that, Jeconiah the king, and the queen, and the eunuchs, and the princes of Judah in Jerusalem, and the carpenters, and the smiths, departed from Jerusalem by the hand of Elisa, the son of Shaphan, and Gamariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, King of Judah sent unto Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Here is how they overcome their situation. Notice this Build ye houses and dwell in them, and plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives and beget sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters that ye may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city whither I have caused you to be carried away captives and pray unto the Lord for it. For in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. The Lord says, you know, when you're away captive, It's like when Paul says I have learned that whatsoever state I am in therewith to be content and we think to be content is just to sit there and say well Lord I'm just going to sit here and we're going to wilt until you lift us out of this. The idea is Paul saying I've found that whatsoever state I'm in therewith to be content or therewith to be the master of the situation that I find myself in. I am going to overcome this situation and the idea here is the Lord says you know what to do? go ye into the middle of darkness. Go ye right into the middle of Babylon. He says, build houses and plant vineyards. He says, take wives and beget sons and beget daughters. He says, and build yourselves up. You build yourselves up. He says, pray unto me. And he says, and live peaceably. Don't go to war with them. And as you start to gather number, you start to gather strength, he says, watch what I'm going to do. Brothers and sisters, sometimes we run about, what about this and what about that? We stress and we worry and we fear and anxiety gets us. And the Lord says, no, oh, settle down. Am I not your God? But Lord, there's darkness all around us and Babylonians are everywhere and we haven't got a song to sing and we've hung our harps on the willows and we don't know what to do and we're hankering for more of you and we know what we've, we, we've walked away from and we have we, we have discarded the things of God. Will you ever forgive us? He says, no, oh, settle down. Listen to my word. Saddle down and gather strength. And trust in me to bring you out. Do you forget those times when you're like, Lord, hey, I don't know where to go next. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get out of this. I don't know what way this is going to turn. And the Lord just says, settle down. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Leave it up to me. It's his providence and his sovereignty. We're going to look at a moment in the verse here that's going to maybe open a few eyes. Verse 8 says, For thus saith the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets, nor your diviners, diviners, that be in the midst of you, deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which which ye cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely unto you my name, I have not sent them, saith the Lord. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. Here's the verse everybody quotes, and this is the context that it's actually in. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. You shall seek me and find me when you search me with all your heart, and I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity. You see the lord says i'm going to you're there for seventy years you're there for seventy years, but it's in my plan, it's in my purpose. you need to trust me when you're going through these things you need to trust him when you can't uh, trace God and, and there's no sense of him about you, then you trust him that he hasn't moved, he hasn't changed he's still there and the Lord says here look if you're going to be an overcomer by settling where you are. You're going to be an overcomer by trusting in me and building and planting, he says, and watch how you start to grow. And it's as if, you know, do you not remember what you did in Egypt? How you became so numerous? And didn't he bring you out from there? Brother, sister, the the, the God who brought you from your spiritual Egypt, God who brought you from a life of sin, the God who's brought you out of that place, God who's brought you from addiction or God who's brought you from whatever, is he not the God who can keep you even in these dark Babylonian times that you find yourself in sometimes? And he's the one who says, look, settle, don't be, don't be anxious. Be anxious for nothing and I'm bringing you out. You need to trust me. You need to trust me. He says he has thoughts that are good toward you, plans to give you an expected end. The word expected in this plans to give you a ground for hope. For hope. Daniel chapter 9, you'll find something here. Daniel chapter 9 around 70 years later. Daniel is in Babylon, remember one of the first captives that's taken away in the first wave it was taken away? So he's there, he's now praying. Do you know what he does? Daniel chapter 9 verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of years. Number of what years? Of the years that the Lord told Jeremiah, 70 years of the number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, and the great and Dreadful God, keeping covenant and mercy to them that love Him, and to them that keep His commandments. We have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly, and have rebelled by the, by departing from Thy precepts and from Thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto Thy servants, the prophets, which spake in the name to our, in Thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto Thee, but unto us confusion of face as it is this day to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to all Israel, notice that are near, that are afar off through all the countries, whether thou hast driven them because of the trespass that they have trespassed against thee. Daniel now is starting to pray for even the house of Israel who was carried away in Europe 170 years ago. He says, they're in all the countries now. They're all over the place. Look at us, Lord. What is our hope? But you have said it in your word, I'm reading your Bible here. I'm reading the scriptures. I'm reading the prophet Jeremiah here. And you said 70 years. And Daniel starts to count. Here, hold on. That's We're coming 70 years. And the Lord says, when you seek me and pray, pray into existence the word of God, as it were. Pray into the word of God that the the Lord's word will start to activate and start to come alive in you. And he starts praying into it. And suddenly, then we read of like of Ezra, Nehemiah get in the ladders and the Lord opens the floodgates and 42,000 start to leave. The unfortunate thing is many decide to stay. They've become too comfortable. They've become too comfortable and they've fallen away from God. So Ezekiel chapter 1, Ezekiel is by the river Chebar afar off. We'll not go into it at the moment, but in Daniel chapter 10, Daniel is actually by the river Hedekil. And he's given a vision from God too. In fact, if you go to Ezekiel chapter 3, Ezekiel has a vision. Ezekiel 3 and verse 23. That's two twenty-two, and the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he said unto me, Arise, go forth into the plain, and I will talk there with thee. Then I arose and went forth unto the plain, and behold, the glory of the Lord stood there as the glory which I saw by the river Chebar, and I did, and I fell on my face. Then the spirit entered into me and set me upon my feet and spake with me and said, Go shut thyself within thy house. Here uh, the there's a place called Tel Aviv now it's not Tel Aviv it's Tel Aviv in, in Babylon and, and Ezekiel and I has moved up to tell these people what the word of the Lord is in captivity and suddenly he's by the river and the Lord comes again. You see I entitled, I, I, I entitled this message when God comes to where you are because we really can't go to where God is And whenever, let me just run through a few of these. You can jot them down and look at them. And you go home. In Acts chapter 16, uh, there's women by a river. And Lydia's there, the seller of purple. And, and they meet the apostles there. Something about rivers. Maybe I walk up and down the wagon here sometime. I'm, I'm going to get a vision or something. I don't know. Or maybe I'll get a visitation. But he, here's another. They're walking up and down. Uh, she's at the river. Um, a A and in Revelation chapter 9 and verse 14 and 16 and verse 12 as well, it talks about uh, the river shown in, uh, spiritually speaking, of the river Euphrates in prophecy. And judgments poured out upon it. God visits there. John sees this caught up in the Spirit. But in Mark chapter 1 verse 5 at the river Jordan, there's another visitation and John's baptizing. The Lord Jesus Christ comes walking down. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, he says. <coughs> Revelation 22, verses 1 and 2 also speaks of the river of life, of the tree of life, which proceeds from the throne of God and the Lamb. Something to take note of here. With God having to open heaven to Ezekiel, God opened heaven to his son at his baptism as well. This is my beloved son. God opened heaven in a few places in Scripture. I'll talk about it in a moment. But note this. This shows man's complete and total inability and his incapability to reach heaven on his own merit. To reach God on his own merit, and that every view of heaven that we have, and every hope of heaven that we have, every single hope that you and I have is all of grace when God comes to where we are. It's all of grace. Love must, must stoop. Mercy must find. Grace must reach. And notice even man at his very best, whether it's prophet or priest or king, man at his very best, he is ignorant of God. He is helpless and he is hopeless without God. He is weak, he is frail, he is fragile under God. He is wayward and he is indifferent when he is away from God. God came to where Ezekiel was. God is where you are right now. doesn't matter how you're feeling. You need to settle and be an overcomer in it. Say, I'm here, Lord, but you're in control. You're bringing me up. You're bringing me out. You're bringing me through. Moses, remember he killed the Egyptian? And he went into hiding. He was in the backside of the desert, minding Jethro, his father-in-law's sheep, for forty years, till God came to where He was. Remember Gideon threshed wheat in the wine press, hiding for fear of the Midianites. And the Lord came, and the angel of the Lord came and says, "I mighty man of valor, and He's hiding, threshing the wheat. Who like me?" He says the Lord's going to use you. I have come to visit you, Gideon, but. Uh, I'm from the tribe of Manasseh, the least of the tribe, he says, and and I'm the least in my family's house. He says, "I See, that's when God uses you. See, that's when God steps in because no flesh will glory in his presence. And you'll realize it because we all get it. Well, maybe I have a part. Maybe it's me. (laughs) It's absolutely nothing to do with you. It's all of him. And in our weakness, he becomes strong. Remember, David was just out minding the sheep. Seven brothers passed Samuel's face, and the Lord says, not this. Right? That's how the Lord spoke. Not this. Not this. Seven times, not this. See, man looketh on the outward appearance, and the Lord looketh on the heart. And he asked Jesse, is there any others? And he says, there's only be David out in the field, but sure, who is he? Go get him. And the Lord said, here he is. David's life is one we can look at, because remember, David was in the wilderness of Maon in First Samuel chapter 23. He was in the wilderness of En-Gedi in First Samuel chapter 24. And God sent a distraction when Saul was chasing him in 1 Samuel 23 in the wilderness of Maum. they had almost encamp, uh, encamped around about him. And God sent the Philistines into their empty, their empty, uh, their, their empty uh, city, uh, empty from soldiers, that is. And, and, and they have to go back and start fighting. And God made a way of escape. Then it comes in Engedi. And Saul hears again to go down to Engedi. And the Lord steps in there. He steps in with protection and words of blessing. David was in hiding from Saul in the cave of Adullam, 1 Samuel 12. God sent God the prophet and told him to move. God came to where he was. You see, God did not forget the time that Samuel had anointed him whom God had chosen his own elect says this is him and even though there was a period of time and David must have thought I've been anointed with oil Lord and you're not using me yet Lord I, I've now went and I've killed Goliath you're still not raising me up to what you want me to be and I'm not sure of it the Lord says don't run ahead of me son it's all in his providence Did you hear that brother or sister it's in his providence the anointing that happened then was not taken away, it's not revoked, it's not taken off him. David becomes king in spite of David because God had chosen him. Elijah, the prophet, was under the juniper tree. First Kings nineteen, if you want to turn the to times flat on, bear with me and we're getting through this right now. First Kings chapter nineteen. Well, not read a lot of it, but in First Kings nineteen, what has happened is in, in uh, chapter nineteen and verse uh, in chapter eighteen, we had Elijah building the altar and twelve stones, and he gets the wood on it and he gets the sacrifice on it, and the prophets of Baal are jumping up and down on theirs and calling on to their false god, and they're cutting themselves with stones, and Elijah just walks up and starts praying and puts the, the sacrifice on the altar, and the fire comes down. There's. 12 barrels of water over it to make sure nobody could light it. And the Lord just comes down and goes, that which is impossible with man is possible with God. And he just licks it up with a flame of fire of his spirit. They go and they slay 450 prophets of Baal. And Elijah, he's on top of the world. He's invincible. He's invincible. He's invincible. When we get to First Kings chapter 19, notice what it says in verse 1, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Big guard's blouse, isn't he? How do you hear this? And Elijah, all Elijah had done, and how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Notice Elijah here. and I see, Watch this carefully, what he does. Does he turn around and does he say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go up that castle again. I'm going to go up to where I was before. I'm going to go back up into the palace of Ahab. And I'm going to go in and say, as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be junior in these years, according to my word. Am I going to do that again? Notice what he does. Verse 3, And when he saw that he arose, he went for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servants there. But he went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and requested for himself that he might die, and said, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Because of one woman. Because of Jezebel saying, I'm going to kill Elijah. He's only after seeing fire from heaven. He's only after seeing the impossible become impossible. Water, stone being licked up by a flame of God. He's only after seeing all the prophets of the enemy slain before him. And because one woman says, you're in for it, boy. He runs and he starts crying and wanting to die. preacher will understand us better you'll understand this and or you'll get to understand it you'll preach your heart out and you'll be standing at the door and everybody's come going that spoke to me and that helped me and that, I wasn't convicted uh, thanks for that and I'm and, Right, that's great that's great praise God praise God and one person goes that's it ruins the whole blessing is that right, Jim? I'm just too long. You're not so blessed. i <laughs> I wasn't even thinking of you there. Or anything left. I was just up there. And you're saying, oh dear. I went to the hospital I went to the hospital to visit. Someone, and they were dying recently. And they were a bit afraid at times as humans, you know. And we sitting with a woman saying, so how are you feeling? How are you thinking? I'm all right, and I'm keeping my eyes on the Lord, and I'm okay. This wasn't so long ago. I'm doing okay, but suddenly you get a bit afraid. I know God's blessed me, and I said, well, what has God done for you in the past? Started to tell me, and as she started to tell me, you see the smile coming on her face and started to be light in bed, started to be encouraged in it, starting to count her blessings, starting to look at the family God had given her and the salvation that came to her family and the things that God had done throughout her life and how oh, God had stepped in at times and sensed his presence. And she just started, the fear started just to go and it was leaving her. It was lovely. I says, then suddenly the devil comes to you and says, If this isn't true, I says, and you just sink. He says, Yeah. I said, Do you see Elijah? He built this altar. And the fire of God, and I told him the whole story. And the fire of God came down and licked it up, and he was on top of the world. Because he could see and knew the power of God. God came to where he was. At that place and point in time, and showed his power. And he's walking after, slaying the prophets of Baal and the enemy. And he's there in freedom and liberty and because one voice blots out the glory of God. Isn't that the way it is? You know, if you go outside and you look, you're not meant to look with a bare eye at the sun. We know that, so that's not, not that we get much of a chance here, anyway. But if you were to look at the sun, you see it. But if you put your hand in front of your eyes over the sun, you still see the the shining of it, the glory of it around it. But the main sun, you can't see it itself because that hand. But yet, what size is your hand to that sun? I mean, it's, it's so far away. Obviously, you know what it is? It's perspective. The sun's bigger than the earth. Many times over. But yet, because of perspective and distance, when you place your hand between your eye and the sun, your hand becomes bigger than the sun. And all you can see is little radiance of glory around it and beams of light around You can't see the intense light that it's given. But it hasn't changed. Your hand doesn't change what the sun is. And you see, that's what the devil wants you to think God's doing this and God is here and God is blessing you there and God has come through before for you and God has built you up and God has encouraged you on and God has done great things for you. Maybe even miracles in your life and God has saved you and forgiven you and cleansed you, justified you and, and, and all of these things and you're standing righteous in Christ and, and suddenly a wee hand of doubt comes in and blots out the whole glory of God in your life. If you get a white sheet, pure brilliant white, and you hang it up on the line, and there's one wee speck, a small, small speck of black dirt. See that whole white? You can't see it. All you can see is a wee speck of black dirt, isn't it? That's ruined. I'll also tell you, I mustard for that. I'm terrible for that. <laughs> Not to mean sheet washing sheets now. <laughs> see my shirt? see my shirts, see if I'm washing a shirt, or if I no, no, don't wash the shirt <laughs> no, don't wash it I iron my own shirts, if I iron that, I'm no, sorry no, don't wash it, if I'm ironing a shirt after it's been washed, see if there's it some it's just a wee dot on it I won't wear it, I can't see the crisp, crisp shirt all I can see is the wee dot on I can't wear that and she would say, you can't even see it I said no, but I know it's there you see brother and sister, you know it's there Lord, this is terrible, Lord. Look at my glory. I can't see it because look at that wee spack there in front of me. It's a hand. It's a word from Jezebel. Oh, woe was me. I wish I was in need here. I know better than anybody else. You see what I'm saying? But God came to where he was. Don't let the devil pull the wool over your eyes. Don't let him give you his tricks. Stay with me. I'm finishing. Thank you for your attention. This times up, gone. on. What about Elijah under the juniper tree? And then after this, he falls asleep, and the angel of the Lord wakens him, comes to where he is, bakes him a cake. Elijah, arise and eat, for the journey's too great for you. The Lord knew that like, you're not going to make it, you need to eat. And then he slept, and he'd done the same again. He got up, and away he went. And next thing we find him in a cave, and he's hiding in a cave, and the Lord comes to where he is again. He says, What dost thou here, Elijah? Get doing. Why are you hiding? Why are you fearful? Why are you worried? Why are you anxious? Lord, Jezebel's still out there. I'm your God. What's wrong with you, Elijah? Then the Lord says, go down and anoint uh, Hazael and then Jehu. And he's to go down and anoint Elisha. And where do we find Elisha? Twelve yoke of oxen. And it says, and way, Elisha. With his yoke of oxen, 12 of them are in the field. And who's the one? Who's the last tram? Who's the one who's put to the back of the queue? Elisha. The one at the back of the queue. Where he's going with his oxen. He's the 12th. But you see, what the devil doesn't realize is number 12 is God's perfect government. God's governing in his life. And Elijah comes and anoints him. God comes to where he is. And Elisha gets double a portion. So when God comes to where you are he knows where you are he's sovereign, his providence has went ahead of you. Do you think Elisha knew when he's playing that field? Do you think that he knew when he's looking at the other end of that field and he gets there and he turns around and he's going back the other way and he goes line number four hundred and fifty six thousand, three hundred and thirty one, four hundred fifty six thousand three hundred thirty two, and that's my day, one up, one down, one up one down, one. here we go another time and the Lord says I have a Oh, for him and he doesn't even realize it. He doesn't even know it. And then one day God sends Elijah to anoint Elisha. Jonah was in a whale's belly in the bottom of the sea. Out of the belly of hell cried I and the Lord heard me. Said, God came to where he was. Amos was a prophet of Judah sent to the northern kingdom I mean sent to to those who God was about to judge to tell them, God's going to judge you prepare to meet thy God O Israel Amos 4 and 12 who do you think you are We you back down south and in Amos 7 and 14 Amos says to Amaziah listen to what he says I was no prophet neither was I a prophet's son but I was an herd man, a gatherer of sycamore fruit, in verse 15. And the Lord took me as I followed the flock, and the Lord said unto me, Go prophesy unto my people Israel. And he's turned around and he said, Look, I'm just a poor herdsman. I was in the backside of nowhere. I was gathering sycamore fruit, trying to eat it as I went along. I'm not a prophet, not a prophet's son. But suddenly the Lord comes to where I am, and he says, Amos, way up to the northern house. Prophesy to them and tell them I said this. For me, I couldn't preach in front of people. I couldn't do that, Lord. I can't. He says, Go. See what I mean? God comes to where you are. Fishermen are in the boat, and Jesus comes says, Follow me. Peter, James, John, and Andrew. John is in the Isle of Patmos. He says, and I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Heard a voice behind me. Caught up in the spirit and he sees a revelation of Jesus Christ. We'll stop there. I might be doing another night of that sometime. So here at the River Chi Bar, maybe you're at your Chi Bar. Maybe you feel far off, away from everything. God knows where you are. And he will come to where you are. The Lord bless his word to us.